Hello, my name's Ben LeBoot. Welcome to this episode of The Symmetry Podcast. Today we're going to do it a little bit different. I want to share with you a few examples of how I personally see the Bible not as a dry tome, but as an inspiring, thought-provoking opus. And my hope is that by the end of this episode, you'll come to agree with that sentiment. Briefly, what's a parable? A parable is a story that illustrates a specific principle, usually by expressing one idea in terms of another. Parables don't necessarily need to convey a moral. Stories that do that are fables, and they tend to contain anthropomorphized animals. Aesop told fables, Jesus told parables. The English word parable arises from two separate Greek words, meaning, essentially, placed beside and throwing. So, a parable is something thrown beside, like two objects that are tossed together. Say I have two baseballs, and I throw them together in the air, and they fly together, with the exact same trajectory. If I can keep track of one of the baseballs, then really I'm keeping track of both of them. So pretend I take two concepts, like one which I understand well, and the other that I don't. Like a vineyard, which a first century Near Easterner probably knows a lot about, and heavenly things, which are a little more abstract. If I can wrap my head around the nature of the vineyard, then I already know about the heavenly things. Let me give you an example, but first I'm going to give you my thesis. The parables of Jesus were designed to be edifying, yet unclear, uncertain enough to cause the listener to draw near to search for the meaning. And I've found that in my life, the more I muse on the stories of the Bible, the more I get out of them. Let's look at two examples of parables that have, for me personally, both been edifying, yet confusing enough to cause me to really dig in and seek their meanings in the way that all good literary masterpieces do. Parable 1 The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. Okay, so finding God is like finding a great treasure, so great that upon finding it, you give up everything you have. You arrange your life around obtaining that treasure. Sell everything you have for it. I think that's a pretty good interpretation. There is, however, one detail that bothers me, and that's the man covered up the treasure. Why? Is there a delay between finding the treasure and purchasing the land? Some amount of time t that you need to cover it up to ensure that it won't be found by someone else? That detail bothers me because it seems to go against what I know about God. I know that I shouldn't wait to, quote, purchase God, but that when I hear his call and accept the message of good news, I should go for it, right away. I don't have to worry about losing it, or someone stealing it. In fact, the treasure seems to grow when I share it. And the treasure that is the kingdom of heaven is infinite and abundant. So letting other people in on what I've found shouldn't lessen my portion. You know, I read this thinking about the kingdom of heaven here on earth right now, experienced through Jesus. Because his ministry wasn't just about getting heaven when you die, is about bringing heaven and earth together right here and now. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done, on earth as it is on heaven. In this parable, though, maybe Jesus is talking about the heaven that's experienced after we die, where God and mankind live with each other. That would explain the time delay, the notion of having to cover up the treasure, because I don't get it just yet. Because I know it's there waiting for me if I go after it with everything I've got. 
In that case, this parable is about the theological notion of salvation, sanctification, and glorification. Salvation. I'm saved, I accept Jesus. That's finding the treasure. Sanctification. Learning about God, becoming more like him over time, that's when I cover up the treasure and wait. And glorification. Experiencing the glory of God, being with him in all of his magnificence in heaven. That's when you own the field and the treasure is yours. Okay, I've got another interpretation as well. I'm taking more of an interpretive license here, because the parable says that the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. But I'm going to posit that if you read the story as if the kingdom of heaven is the entire parable, all that's going on, and not just the first noun treasure, then the meaning changes entirely. Watch this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. What if the parable is less about the treasure and more about the man? What if the treasure isn't heaven and the man isn't me? What if I'm the treasure and the man is Jesus? What if Jesus saw me like he sees you and considered me a treasure that was worth everything he had? What if he sold everything? What if he died to get the treasure that he saw in you and me? What if that's what the kingdom of heaven is like? The kingdom of heaven looks like Jesus, who gave up a crown in heaven, who became a man, who gave up his life to purchase you and me and all of humanity. Like a priceless treasure he sees us. Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We are the joy, we are the treasure. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. got one more parable for you. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and put into three measures of flour, until all of it was leavened. Oh, come on. Come on, Jesus, that's not helpful. Any context clues? No. Who's the woman? I don't know. Why, why so much flour? Three measures is like 60 pounds. 60 pounds of flour. What, what does that mean? Why, why so much? Okay, if the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, okay, I follow that, then what's the flour? And what does it mean when all of the flour is leavened? Let me think this through. When Jesus spoke, leaven tended to be a bad thing. Beware the leaven of the Pharisees, etc. So I guess what this is saying is if you introduce a little bit of something bad, it has potential to corrupt the entire product. One bad apple ruins the bunch. A little bit of leaven influences the entirety of the dough. Oh, okay. That was pretty easy. Oh, but wait. It says the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. So then the leaven probably isn't bad, right? How else can I look at this parable? What if this is about the incarnation? John says that the word became flesh. Jesus is the son of God. He came to bring heaven to earth. Let your kingdom come. Yeah. I like that. Jesus is leaven because he represents the kingdom of heaven. And the flower is the earth because he came into the earth. And Jesus was just one man. That's like a little bit of leaven, which, by the way, is yeast. And he spread through his words and through his followers throughout the entire earth. 
So a small piece of heaven came into the earth and filled the entire earth. Okay, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think we've got this parable figured out. Check. Put it up on the shelf. Completed. I'm done. Let's move on. But wait, when I think about it a little longer, when I sit here and chew on it like a cow chews grass, chew, chew, swallow, think I'm done. Wait, nope. Coming back up for more. Still got some flavor left. There's still some nutrients in it. What else can I get from this parable? What if I assume that the leaven is still Jesus, but what if I change what the flower is? Maybe the flower is not the whole earth, but just me. If I get a little bit of Jesus in me, in my lump of dough, and that little bit of Jesus will change the whole thing from the inside out, make it look unrecognizable. Almost like the whole thing died, and now there's a new creation. Yeah, I've heard that somewhere before. I really like that. And maybe there's so much dough because I'm so dense and there's a lot to work through. But even though I'm 60 pounds of dough, yeah, it's a carb load week, and even though I'm a lot to work through, it only takes a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of the kingdom of heaven, to completely change who I am. But wait, wait, I just noticed something I've forgotten. This parable isn't about a baker, it's about a baked tris. Because it's not a man who puts the leaven in the flour, it's a woman. Who's that woman? So maybe it is about the incarnation. Jesus came through Mary. Holy Spirit descended upon her. She conceived, brought Jesus into the world. Yeah, okay. It's Mary. So the parable is the incarnation. But then again, did Mary really put the leaven into the flour? God did that, right? Through Mary? But her role was more passive... But she, she did say yes to the whole thing, right? Hmm. Or maybe the woman is just part of the story, but not necessarily symbolic. Maybe the character with the leaven is female only because it was the culture of the day. The woman baked, the men didn't bake. So talking about a man adding leaven would just confuse people and get them to focus on the wrong thing. Or maybe the character with the leaven is female because although we call God Father and refer to Him with the masculine pronoun, God is neither male nor female, but rather spirit. And that's why sometimes Jesus would describe God as a father welcoming home a lost son or a shepherd watching over his sheep. But Jesus would also describe God as a woman who's looking for a lost coin or a baktress putting leaven into 60 pounds of flour. Now I'm all confused. What's this parable about? I've got to figure it out. It's only one sentence, and the Bible's like a thousand pages. I can't get hung up on the single verse. What's the leaven? What's the flower? Who's the woman? What does the flower rising symbolize? And why so much of it? But then again, maybe there's more than one valid interpretation. Maybe Jesus was a smart dude, and he knew that you could talk about multiple things with the exact same words. So maybe the flower is flower, and the world, and me, and something else I've not even thought of yet. And all I need to do is chew on it some more, because there's still more to get out of this. You know what I have to do? I have to go to God with this. Let me seek out Jesus and ask him what he meant in saying, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven which a woman put into three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. Let me go to Jesus. Let me ask him. That's the whole point of it, right? Seek out the Lord while he can be found and call upon him while he is near. That's the point. I'm getting closer to God.
That's why Jesus used parables. He who has ears, let him hear. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Symmetry Podcast. We're a home for conversations about faith and humanity that are designed to help people grow. Hope you had a great time. Hope you were challenged. Hope you learned something. And until next time, Godspeed.